Good morning, Oakland Text listeners. I'm Gary Kaligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only news magazine for mature adults in northwest Louisiana. We are proud to be hosting this United States Congressional Candidate Senior Forum here at Nurse Care of Shreveport in front of an audience. This senior forum was previously scheduled for a live radio broadcast in The Best of Times Radio Hour in front of an audience on Saturday, September 27th. However, due to major technical difficulties, we were unable to broadcast and record this forum on that date. We do thank Nurse Care's report for allowing us to return to their facility today so this important senior forum will take place. This radio show broadcast today on AM 1130 KWKH has been pre-recorded. We regret that we'll be unable to accept call-in questions or comments from our many loyal listeners in the Arklatex. Again, I thank you for all coming out today to be part of the audience to hear these responses from these distinguished candidates who are seeking to, 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 come, to become a United States representative for the 4th District of the State of Louisiana. Joining me today is Vicki Ott, who is the administrator of Nurse Care Shreveport, who graciously invited us to come to her facility to do this senior forum today. Good morning, Vicki. Good morning, Gary. Thank you, Vicki, for uh, hosting this particular forum uh, for a very important race for Congress. Well, Gary, Nurse Care is a rehab and nursing center, and as such, of course, we're very concerned about where candidates stand on senior care issues, so we're very happy to hear their responses today. Again, thank you, Vicki, and thank you for your wonderful staff for doing such a great job in setting up today's forum. Also joining me today is Phil Serio with Serio Investments, who will help me ask the candidates some questions relating to senior citizen issues and concern. Phil has served as a city councilman and is actively involved in providing financial services for many people in the area, including many, many senior citizens, who he often hears from about their concerns and issues. Again, thank you, Phil, for being part of the show today. Gary, appreciate it very much. I'm glad to be here, and of course, I'm glad to be sitting on this side of this table than where you are right now. Uh, we'll have some financial questions for you, so we're going we're gonna to look forward to seeing how you respond and what your answers are. Phil, I've had many readers and listeners of the best of times who requested this forum to allow the candidates to express their views on, on especially relating to senior citizens' issues. Today, we're going to learn a little bit more about these candidates to help us make that important decision on whom to cast our vote for in the upcoming election. We'll be right back after a short break. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by Humana and the Senior Forum, sponsored by Nurse Care Shreveport and AARP of Louisiana, here on AM 1130 KWKH. Welcome back to the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by Humana. I'm Gary Kaligas. I do thank you for listening to our radio show today. Joining me on the show as a co-host is Phil Serio, and also on the show are some of the candidates seeking to become our next United States Congressman, representing the four district of the state of Louisiana. This senior forum was previously scheduled for broadcast in front of an audience on September 27th. However, due to major radio technical difficulties, we were unable to broadcast that show on that date. So we've asked the candidates to come back to the Nurse Care Shreveport to participate in this senior forum, which this forum has been pre-recorded for broadcast today, October 4th. We will be unable to accept call-in questions or comments from our loyal radio listeners during today's show. 
Based upon my discussions with many senior citizens over the past few weeks and based upon recent survey of readers of the best of times, Phil and I will ask each of our candidates to answer several questions relating to senior citizens' issues and concerns. We ask the candidates to limit their answers to three minutes or less. Today we are honored to have five candidates who are seeking to become the United States Congressman representing the 4th District of Louisiana. They include Gerard Bowen, Jared, excuse me, John Fleming, Chris Gorman, John Mikovich, and Jeff Thompson. So let's proceed with the, the candidates answering these very interesting questions in alphabetical order. All right, gentlemen, the first question is going to be in a recent survey, over 40,000 readers of the best of times, 66% of the readers stated they are not satisfied with the current, their current financial situation and retirement benefits. As Social Security is still the foundation of most seniors' retirement income, do your favor privatizing Social Security, for example, as a thrift savings plan, as a means of improving the current future Social Security benefits, or do you have another solution? And keep in mind that federal employees have access to the thrift savings plan. Assets in this program have averaged 5.1 to 8.5% over the last 10 years. The oldest funds have been compared as, as compared to the uninvested Social Security benefits. Jared? Jared, Jared, Jared. Bowen. Um, I do not like the current system. I, I think it's a Ponzi scheme that's gotten out of hand. I think... Um, what we need to do is individualize the Social Security accounts so that, for example, I contribute $100 in my Social Security tax every paycheck. If that $100 a paycheck was allowed to go directly to an account for me and me only, then when I retire, I wouldn't need government assistance. Um, you know, we send that $100 a paycheck to the government. If we're lucky, they, they only have to spend, um, you know, the, the fee the um, the cost of maintaining the program paperwork and application process and all that and pay the salaries to the people who live to who uh, who work in that department and as if we're lucky we get left with fifty dollars out of that hundred that actually goes towards benefits uh, and if we're not lucky they borrow against it for other programs and then we're left with twenty dollars to go actually towards retirement benefits where if, if it's earmarked just for you then when you retire, you've got that money. If you pass away, then your family has that money, and the government can't touch it. Now, I would be in favor of gradually doing that so that we don't cut off people who are currently relying on the current system, uh, but I definitely think we need to individualize the account. Thank you. John? Yes. <clears throat> As a family physician who's treated uh, Social Security and Medicare recipients, uh, for many years, um, I see this problem on a microeconomic level every day. I talk with senior citizens who have to struggle with, uh, well, they get a cost of living raise, but that money then goes to increases in Medicare Part uh, B and also D. So that's why you're getting that response. The senior citizens are seeing themselves losing ground to inflation. Uh, as Jared alerted, uh, alluded to, uh, a big problem that we have today is that ever since the inception of the Social Security program, the money goes into a trust account and it goes, is supposed to go right back uh, 
that is when it's paid in by the employee, it's supposed to go right into the hands from there of a Social Security recipient. And indeed that does happen. However, everything left over goes into the federal budget and is spent. So we're not saving up anything there. Um, so first and foremost, we do need to protect that trust fund, and the only way we're going to be able to do that is to balance our budget. Uh, secondly, um, I do think that although it's somewhat unpopular, but I think my job as a congressman is going to be to consider unpopular choices because we're going to uh, get to a point very soon where people will not have Social Security available to them. But I think we need to consider allowing uh, employees to opt in to a private program where they put a small percentage of their FICA withholdings into a, an account that will then can be invested into safe programs and ultimately will give them a much bigger return on investments. I mean, if you look at a typical uh, mutual fund today, uh, $3,000 that was invested, say, back in 1990 uh, could easily be twenty, twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 today. So, uh, yes, I do think we need to look at private solutions. I think we need to be solutions-oriented. My name is Chris Gorman, and I want to say thank you to the best of times, and I want to say thank you to Nurse Care for having this forum this morning. Uh, I, I do believe the, that Social Security is a major, major issue that we need to face head on to this nation. In 1983, we were faced with a similar problem. Our president then, Ronald Reagan, and the Congress took up this problem, and the solution that they came up with was to increase your payroll taxes. And they did that in order to create a $5 trillion surplus to address the problem of it being insolvent. Here's what happened in the years to follow, that your congressmen and women wasted this money. They began to spend this money. Uh, they began to use monies that went into the Social Security Trust Fund that had nothing to do with your Social Security. So I believe, number one, we need to have fiscal responsibility when looking at our Social Security Trust Fund and how those dollars are spent. I am not in favor of raising payroll taxes again to address this looming problem of Social Security. I do believe as an option we should consider some sort of private uh, savings accounts. Uh, that needs to be optional. But I'm not for raising payroll taxes to address, once again, fiscal irresponsibility from yours and my Congress in the United States. I think we need to eliminate fraud. Fraud, bureaucracy, and red tape is rampant in the United States government. That fraud and that red tape and that bureaucracy leads to wasteful spending. It leads to unnecessary programs that need to be cut. Where I come from, the last 13 years of my life being in the private sector, when we see programs or, or departments that are not being sufficient or that are not turning a profit, we dissect it, we find the root of the problem, and we either end the program or we turn the department around. So Social Security needs new ideas, and I do believe that as an option we should look at some sort of private savings accounts. Thank you. This is John Milkovich, uh, number 25 on your ballot this Saturday, October 4th. We've just seen what happens when 
Wall Street uh, takes a huge hit based on its own bad decisions and then attempts to force to pay, uh, tries to force taxpayers to pay Wall Street for Wall Street's bad investments. Number one, long term, the American markets have been a great investment strategy and a great growth strategy. But point number two, our seniors should not be forced to put their money on Wall Street if they prefer to keep it in the government social security program. Wall Street shouldn't be allowed to force taxpayers to put their money on Wall Street. And I think the third principle is we need decisional freedom. This is a nation based upon freedom of choice. If American citizens believe that they want uh, the, their Social Security funding to remain uh, a government uh, entity, then they should be allowed to uh, continue in the Social Security program. They should not be forced to transfer their assets to Wall Street. Uh, we've seen just in the last few weeks that there are certain risks inherent in Wall Street. But I also believe this. Just as citizens should be allowed to maintain their pending Social Security entitlement within the federal Social Security program, citizens should also have the right to enter into privatized options to invest over the course of their life to create a retirement fund or annuity. I think the basic principle is, in this regard, freedom of choice. That's making Phil glad because I think he believes that citizens should have the right to determine, look, I want to pay money out of my uh, income on a regular basis to a, a private sector stock account. I believe that's fair. I believe that's freedom. Thank you, John. Jeff? Good morning. My name is Jeff Thompson. Uh, you know, it doesn't take a, a great deal of time to go back and look at when Social Security was set up and the number of retirees versus the number of workers and see how that's changed over the years to realize why we are where we are. What I think we need to do is, number one, our nation needs to live up to the promises it made to the greatest generation <clears throat> and make sure that those that are at or near retirement can count on the Social Security that they paid into all these years. That's going to be secure. Number two, I'm 43 years old. My generation, we're far enough out from retirement that what we need to do <clears throat> is have the opportunity to have a blended program uh, where I'm encouraged and you're encouraged and this entire generation is encouraged to provide for our own future while we continue to contribute and make possible the retirement benefits that are needed through Social Security for those that came before us. And then you look down to the next generation, to my children. I'm a father of a nine-year-old and a five-year-old. They have no realistic expectation that the government is going to serve as daddy warbucks for them as they retire. They need to be able to share in the expenses, as we do as a nation, for those that need assistance. But the government's going to do one of two things. It's either going to punish you by taxing you, or it's going to reward you by encouraging you to save. I think we have to have a program that encourages those of us that are far enough away from retirement now to start building our own retirement as a primary source of retirement funds. And as somebody that has worked in uh, you know, the elder law issues, dealing with retirement and retirement planning, this type of security and living up to our obligations is crucial for the future of this nation. Thank you all. Our next question 
Again, in a survey of 40,000 readers of the Best of Times and also from several people that have called and emailed me, 44% of our readers told us that they are the primary caregiver to another person 65 years of age or older and are struggling with long-term care and the associated cost with long-term care. What do you feel that Congress should do to help seniors and their caregivers cope with long-term care and associated costs? Jeff? Thank you. The first thing we need to make sure that's happening for our seniors and everyone else in America is that your dollar goes further and that you have more of your own dollars to retain in your own home. That the cost of gasoline, the cost of groceries, the cost of medicines are reduced so that those costs that you're incurring you can be able to stretch your dollar. We need to have a tax program that allows more dollars to stay in your family. As it relates to all of us being able to live longer, if you look at the charts on how long we're supposed to be able to live and the increase in medical care and our longevity is going to go so much further that being able to stay in your home is going to be a reality for millions of Americans. We need to make sure from the government that helping provide and offset the cost of making homes handicap accessible, that wheelchairs can get in and out of showers, that you can transport people around, that the programs like the Council on Aging of Meals on Wheels and others that are available are completely funded and that individuals have more of their own tax dollars to give to those programs so that we can make those possible. I think those type of improvements in your home, those type of investments in human lives are items that the government should reward by making those type of expenses and those type of cares tax deductible for us because a long time before the government was supposed to take care of us, you know, when you were sick or needed help, you moved to family and friends. Your community reached out to its neighbors to help each other. We need to get back to that. We need to get the government off of our back and out of our pocketbook to make that possible so we all have a quality of life in our own homes and with those that care and love us the most. Uh, John Milkovich, number 25 on your ballot. I want to first start by thanking the nursing home that is sponsoring this event. If you all weren't working hard to take care of seniors, you would not be inviting congressional candidates and media into your living room. Thank you. Having said that, number one priority, we need to work to allow our seniors to stay in their own homes in their convalescent years. That is a priority. Seniors want to be in the comfort of their own homes. They want to be surrounded by their families. They want to feel the security of known uh, their home, as we all do. I think we, we must structure our tax incentives and our federal programs and our insurance law to protect and respect the priority of staying at home. Number two, we need to confront the special interests in health care. Drug costs, prescription medicine costs need to come down. We need to insist upon free, full, and fair market competition in the prescription drug industry so drug prices go down. We need to ensure that we allow the import of safer, of safe, less expensive prescriptions into America to cut the huge cost that seniors are paying for drugs. Three, we need to cut down the monopoly protections that drug companies have. When a drug company patents a drug, they shouldn't be allowed to market that drug solely forever. At some point, they need to be subject to the free market forces which drive drug prices down. Three, we need to require legally that, a, that medical decisions are made by doctors and patients, not HMOs. 
Patients and doctors make medical decisions, not HMOs. Number four, we need to look hard at the high cost of health insurance. Gary, are we winding up? Um, we need to make sure that there is fair, full, and free market competition in the insurance industry so that premium prices are, are driven down and that uh, coverage is expanded and fully provides for the medical needs of our seniors. Thank you. Chris Gorman, uh, you know, the biggest problem with our health care system is that it just costs too much. Uh, you know, you can look no further than uh, when you look at wasteful spending, the $60 billion of fraud we have in Medicare. As it relates to primary care uh, givers, I believe this. Many of our seniors are veterans. And as I travel these 13 great parishes in the District 4 and talk to the Many of the 640,000 approximate citizens in this district, many of them are veterans, and they tell me, Chris, I've served my country, and I want my benefits and to be expanded to my spouse. You know, how can we make that happen? I think that is a, a worthy goal to try and achieve so that our veterans and their spouses can have quality health care. It costs too much. There's far too much fraud, and I do believe that we need to allow for the legal, safe importation of drugs from Canada. I believe we need to let private market forces drive down the cost of health care. I believe also in the program known as PACE, and PACE is the program of all-inclusive care for the elderly, which provides for the elderly who could stay at home and get quality care. It gives them more control of their health care assistant uh, who may be staying with them at their home. It gives them help with their bookkeeping and their day-to-day -day lives. I think those are realistic uh, goals that could be achieved. But number one, we have to look at it for what it is. It costs too much. There's too much fraud. There's too much red tape. We need to reduce the wasteful spending so that we can have more money to give back to our seniors. Thank you. This is John, Dr. John Fleming. Um, <clears throat> the, the, the question about seniors taking care of seniors reminds me of, of a patient of mine I'll call Harold. Uh, he came to my practice to establish care with me when he was 99 years old. He was on no medication, had no need for doctors until then, but he thought it was time to get a family doctor at age 99. The remarkable thing about Harold is that uh, though he was retired, his vocation was to bake cakes and take them to the nursing home to minister to the residents in the nursing home, most of whom were young enough to be his child and some to be his grandchild. So I thought that was a remarkable history, and he did die a couple of years later, but uh, I feel like I learned a lot of lessons from Harold. Um, First of all, I do think we should do everything we can to maintain seniors at home. Um, we need to uh, make it possible to do that in a cost-effective way. Uh, we have long-term care insurance, which I think is beneficial. There's also private programs out there that will come help and clean house and provide some help to family to do these things. I'm a little reluctant to suggest enlarging or creating new government programs. Uh, one of the problems we have in this country today is we have so many programs that we can't pay for today. So I do think it's important that we keep our seniors healthier, longer, more independent, 
and that we provide services cost effectively. And one of the things I recommend to all seniors in terms of medication costs, because they do need help with that, is to sit down with your doctor and build a strategy on getting your medications as inexpensively as possible. Walmart, of course, so you can buy many generic medications for $10, a, uh, $10 for three months. And uh, I've had a number of patients that I've cut their bill three, $400 a month just by doing that. So we need to play it smarter. We need to work as a team between the providers and, of course, our senior citizens themselves. Jared Bowen, Jr. here. Um, I think there's two things that we can do that will indirectly help with that issue. Uh, if we lower the national debt, that will in, in improve the value of the dollar and allow our dollar to stretch further. Uh, and also, if we lower the tax burden on individuals and they can keep more of their own money, then they can put that money towards health care, health care insurance, uh, whatever other issues they need. Um, specifically towards um, health care with the veterans, uh, the veterans' benefits are eroding, and we need to we need to keep our military strong by living up to the promises that we make to our veterans for their medical retirement benefits. And I, and, but I don't think that everything should be on the federal level. I think it should mostly be on the local and individual level, state level. For instance, we have the LA Chips program that's working pretty good for the children of our state. And if the state and individuals were, were allowed to keep more of the money locally, then we could expand the LA Chips program and do it at a state level and make sure everyone has the care they need when they're elderly as well. Thank you. We'll be right back after a short break. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by Humana, and our senior forum is sponsored by Nurse Care of Shreveport and AARP of Louisiana here on AM 1130 KWKH. Welcome back to the Best of Times Radio Hour, presented by Humana. I'm Gary Caligas. Thank you for listening to our radio show today. Joining me on the show is Phil Serio, and also on our show are some of the candidates seeking to become our next United States Congressman, representing the 4th District of the state of Louisiana. Continuing our questions now, Phil? Very good. All right, thank you, Gary. We've got another question. This time we're going to start in the middle. We're going to start with Chris on this one. According to a recent survey of over 40,000 readers of the best of times, 62% of the readers stated that they are taking four more prescription medications per day, and it costs them over $250 each month. Um, even, and that's even with the Medicare prescription drug coverage. What do you feel that Congress should do to help seniors pay for their prescription drugs? Chris, I'm going to start with you on this one. Well, you Thank you for that. Chris Gorman, uh, number 27 on the ballot. And I believe this. My mother-in-law uh, takes uh, uh, quite a number of prescription drugs, and uh, she's asked me several times, as has many of her friends, what can we do to lower the cost of prescription drugs? And, and I have uh, two points uh, to address that question, uh, one of which I touched on just a little bit ago. Uh, but number one, I believe we need to allow for the safe and legal importation of drugs from Canada. I believe that does a couple of things, uh, not the least of which is allows competition in our prescription drugs for our seniors and for those who are in need uh, to drive down prices. Uh, we no longer need to see where the generic drugs have to wait uh, 10 years, 15 years to come onto the market. I believe we need to find ways that our seniors can get affordable prescription drugs 
by way of legal importation and letting competitive market forces drive down the cost. We don't need monopolies with big drug, com drug companies at the expense of our seniors. But those two things, I believe, could take a, a good step toward driving down the cost for prescription drugs for our seniors. Thank you. This is John Milkovich, number 25 on your ballot. Uh, high drug costs are forcing seniors to choose between medicine and food. The drug companies are gouging our seniors with exorbitant prices. And according to at least one commentator, this will cost America, uh, the, the Medicare uh, wealth, um, the, the drug industry welfare program, where the drug lobby has pushed a bill through Congress that forces Medicare to pay top premium, highest dollar for uh, medications, will cost the American, America over $1.2 trillion over the next 10 years. Number one, we need the import of safe, less expensive drugs, and we need to make information available to the citizens about uh, the the features and nature of these imported drugs. Number two, obviously we need more competition in the drug industry. We need to reduce and rewrite the federal laws that allow the drug companies to uh, function in virtual monopolies where the price, there are not there's not price competition for the products and the drug companies charge whatever they want. Number three, we need to uh, change federal law, I believe, to move insurance companies to the, to the point where insurance coverage will include payment for alternative medicine and natural supplements and vitamins. There is an entire exploding wealth of knowledge in the area of the nutritional supplements and alternative medicine, which indicates that vitamin therapy, holistic medicine, uh, nutritional therapy is very effective in the treating of pathology. In fact, I was reading this morning uh, Linus, Paulus, uh, Linus Pauling's treatise on the power of vitamin C in treating cancer. Well, why don't health insurance policies provide coverage for responsible, effective uh, natural therapies and natural medicine and natural supplementation? Basically, the problem is this. In 1999 to 2000, the drug companies spent uh, approximately $190 million in campaign contributions and in lobbying Congress. And what are they trying to do? Not only are they trying to drive up the force of drugs artificially and charge us monopoly uh, exorbitant prices, they are also trying to get the FDA to take over even vitamins so that you would have to have a prescription from a medical doctor to get vitamins. What's that going to do? That's going to make... Um, going to make vitamin therapy more expensive and less accessible. I've said it before and I'll say it again. As your next congressman, John Milkovich is going to stand up to the special interests that includes the drug companies. Thank you. This is Jeff Thompson. You know, I, it seems to me that the federal government only recognizes the way you control spending is to cut benefits, and they only do that in two places. That's taking away the benefits of our seniors and our veterans. You know, that's the only benefits that have been reduced over the years. They don't apply that same principle to a lot of other areas because government spending and a lot of programs continue to go up while we're saying, well, where do we save money? Well, let's take it away from the very people that have earned it, that have built this country and provided the benefits for us. That's the wrong approach. I think you have to do 
three things. First of all, I think you need to have someone that's going to be a, a, you know, a, a true lion for the seniors and veterans out there, and that's going to be to maintain the benefits of the programs as they were intended to be maintained. You can't allow them to come in and find that's the only place where you save money, is that you take away from veterans and from seniors. Number two, I think you have to promote the cost of drugs staying low. And you do that by allowing companies that incur the expenses and do the research to bring those to the market to be competitive and to have tax deductions so that those costs get pushed down and passed on to all of us. Because it's not just the seniors with prescriptions, it's the entire industry that we need to have lower prices for everybody. And I think you need to, and it kind of goes back, Phil, to our discussion earlier on people that are staying at home and incurring costs, whether it's accessibility, medicines, and other items that are needed. I think giving favorable tax treatment to individuals that are incurring those expenses are the things that we have to do. Let's protect the benefits as promised. Let's make sure the dollar goes further and keep more of those dollars and treat those more um, in, a, in a fair way to promote people being able to stretch what they're left with when the government gets through with us at the end of the day so we can have a quality of life. Jared Bowen, Jr. here. Uh, in addition to the things I outlined earlier about LA chips expanding and allowing the money to be more healthcare, healthcare money to be more local and not federal, in addition to that, I think we need to um, not allow the drug companies to have a monopoly for as long as they do now, shorten the time and to when the drugs are required to go to generic. Um, and I, th I think that's the two main things that we need to do: keep it local and and outline the. Um, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Um, to keep the keep the drug companies from having a monopoly is the next best thing. Okay. This is uh, John Fleming. Uh, as a physician, I deal with this uh, every day. I have to, as I said before, we have to sit down and strategize with my patients. Um, I think it is true that drug companies uh, need to have more competition. <coughs> Uh, that's the way we lower prices in this country and raise services is to have more competition. Now, as I mentioned before, my strategy, though, on a one-to-one -one basis, and I think everyone should take this up, is to work through generic programs such as what's offered by Walmart and other uh, places. Also, with regard to buying drugs from Canada, while it is against the law to import drugs from Canada, it is not against the law to buy them directly from Canada. So even today and for many years, you've been able to call up there or um, go online and simply have your doctor fax a prescription to the drug company. There's Canada Drugs Online and many others, and you can get drugs half price up there. So uh, there's no reason to wait for any law changes on that. Also, there's the Drug Patient Assistance Program. Uh, there are some drugs that simply do not have generic equivalents. And uh, Avista is a drug, for instance, that elderly use often. It has no equivalent. And others, um, most companies have programs that if senior citizens either do not have Part D or they've reached that donut that you've heard about where you spend up to a certain point and then you lose coverage for a while, they will help you out many times giving you free medication. Again, work through your physicians for that. So again, the three, st three strategies, work through generic programs. You can save a bunch of money doing that. Uh, number two, if you, if you like, if you need to, shop uh, Canada. You can do it 
online or even call up there. And number three, work through your doctor through the patient assistance program. Thank you. Our next question is probably one of the most important and one that I have had requested of me uh, hundreds and hundreds of times since I made the announcement about this forum. In three minutes or less, why should a senior citizen residing in the 4th District of the state of Louisiana cast their vote for you to become their next United States Congressman? And we will start with Jeff. Thank you. Uh, well, you know, I, I think that the issues facing seniors, if you're looking for someone to go to Washington to fight for you, to stand up for the issues that are important to our seniors, what you should require is that anyone that's seeking this office now has shown that this is an issue that's important to us before we announced our candidacy. Make sure the voice that you hear about us in advertising are coming here today and saying, yeah, we care about seniors and we care about these issues, that our track record reflects that. And I'm proud to say that mine does. You know, I have a track record of being actively involved and working on behalf of seniors right here in Louisiana for a number of years. Uh, when I was uh, a student in law school, uh, you know, I was a student member of the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys. Uh, that, that's an organization that works to help and deal with legal issues, guardianship, items that are specific to seniors. I spent at my expense a term with the AARP as an internship between a fall and spring semester in Washington, D.C., volunteering myself as an intern to help deal with issues up there. I've served on the Governor's Office of Elderly Affairs to help deal with years ago identifying issues of elder abuse and needs of the elderly in the state of Louisiana. And I'm somebody that puts my money where my mouth is. You know, I've been a donor to the Council on Aging. My grandmother has worked in these areas. My parents have been involved in TRICARE. We've been involved and active in issues that are important to seniors long before I ever thought about becoming a candidate for Congress. And finally, you're not just going to find a staff member of mine in Congress. You're going to find Jeff Thompson, your congressman, that's going to be actively involved in helping our seniors and our veterans work through the bureaucracies that exist in our federal government to make sure you're getting the benefits that you've paid for and you've been working to provide for others. You know, unfortunately, in this nation, the people that are most in need of the services are oftentimes unable to get them because of the bureaucracies. And that's another reason while in law school I devoted three credit hours, not three hours, an entire semester of a course in law school to doing a paper on the legal needs of Louisiana's indigent elderly. Jeff Thompson is somebody that's going to work hard for seniors, not starting when I get sworn in, but because it's in my heart to do so, and I've got a track record of doing it right here for you. Jared Bowen, Jr. I think a senior would want to vote for me for the same reason anybody else would want to vote for me. I'm not a career politician. I don't have special interest groups in my pocket. My only interest is for the best interest of the people of Louisiana. Uh, I will go to Washington and represent the regular people, and I won't have to waste tax dollars on polls and focus groups because I'm in the trenches with the regular people every day. Uh, this is John Fleming again. Um, well, first of all, uh, why should I represent people in general in Washington? And I go back to my background, having grown up in a working class family, having had to work my way through college, 
medical school, served in the Navy for six years, and then start my own practice and go on to uh, start private businesses. Um, this, I think, gives me a unique position in terms of understanding the economics and also the personal issues that seniors run into. I have a love for seniors. Uh, it's the funnest part of my practice, if you mind me using that word. Um, uh, they're always a delight, and I, it's really, uh, I think, very touching to me to see how senior citizens appreciate so much even the small things that are done for them. Um, I think that uh, senior citizens need someone in Washington who understands what is in their day and what their struggle is every day, whether to buy medication or whether to buy food. And so I want to go to bat in Washington, D.C. for the senior citizens for that reason. Chris? Well, thank you so much. What a great uh, round of questions it's been. You know, as I think about seniors and I think about the history of this nation and I think about the things that make this nation great, the first thing that comes to my mind are our great seniors, are the values that we all hold near and dear to our heart. I think about our veterans. I think about our seniors who serve this country honorably. And I know this, as your congressman and as the Congress in the United States, uh, Congress in Washington, D.C., we owe it to our seniors to see to it that those values that this nation was built on are upheld. I'm honored to be the only congressman at this table, the only candidate for Congress to, at this table, to have been selected by the 60-plus association, which is a nationwide group of seniors. They've selected me because they believe Chris Gorman will be a, the seniors will have no greater friend and the United States Congress than Chris Gorman, someone who will look out after seniors, someone who will see to it that the Social Security Trust Fund is not raided, someone who understands what the high cost of prescription drugs do to our seniors, but also keeping in mind those traditional building blocks of this great nation. So I believe, as your next congressman, those values that I hold near and dear to my heart are the same values that you hold and the values that I will uphold and serve uh, honorably as your next congressman. Thank you. This is John Milkovich. The generation that has gone before us is what some have called the greatest generation. This is the generation which honored with deeds and not simply words the charge left to us by George Washington that the free constitution which is the work of your hands may be sacredly maintained that its administration in every department may be stamped with wisdom and virtue. This is the generation that paid a high price, bore a heavy burden, defeated the implacable foes of freedom, outlasted both communism and the Nazis, and in the words of Abraham Lincoln, sacrificed so that government of the people, by the people, and for the people would not perish from the earth. And this is the generation which was described by John Kennedy over 47 years ago when he said this was a generation born in this century, tempered by war, disciplined by a hard and bitter peace, proud of our ancient heritage, and unwilling to witness or permit the slow undoing of those human rights to which this nation has always been committed. 
I'm John Milkovich. I have fought for senior citizens for over 20 years in my private law practice, along with my lovely wife, Carola. I understand the issues facing seniors. Prescription prices are way too high. We need to pull the plug on the monopoly practices, the federal laws that allow the drug companies to have monopolies. We need to go ahead and get, allow the import of safe, less expensive drugs. And we need to go ahead and get insurance for natural alternatives. John Milkovich understands that HMOs should not be making medical decisions. Medical decisions should be made by patients and doctors. John Milkovich understands that we need to take care of our seniors that are in nursing homes. We need adequate levels of staffing. We need more doctors. We, more, we need more nurses. And we need nursing homes to be legally and morally accountable for the care of our seniors. They are a national treasure. And we need someone that's going to stand up to the special interests because, folks, if we don't say and recognize who the enemy is, we can't defeat the enemy. The enemy in this nation, among others, are greed and corruption. As your next congressman, I'm willing to stand up to Wall Street and say you will not force American taxpayers to pay you exorbitant profits for your bad investments. As your next congressman, I'm willing to stand up to, to the uh, energy industry and say you will not be permitted to engage in monopolistic practices. We will not tolerate price gouging for your profit. We need a congressman who will say to the drug, co drug companies, you will not be allowed to extort money from our senior citizens. We must have effective competition. We must allow market forces to drive down the cost of drugs now. And as your next congressman, I will honor senior citizens by saying to professional lobbyists, to special interests, to the forces of greed and corruption that are trying to run this nation, we will govern as the 111th Congress in the interests of the people, in the interests of seniors, and in the, inter and in the interests of your children, and in the interests of your grandchildren. Thank you, candidates. We'll be right back after a short break. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by Humana, and this senior forum sponsored by Nurse Care Shreveport and AARP of Louisiana here on AM 1130 KWKH. Welcome back to the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by Humana. As we close today's radio show, I wish to thank Nurse Care of Shreveport, AARP of Louisiana, for hosting this senior forum. Also thank Phil Serio for joining me today to help co-host the show and help me organize it. I want to congratulate these distinguished gentlemen for stepping forward to offer their talents, skills, experience to become our next congressman representing the 4th District of the State of Louisiana. I do wish all the candidates success in their campaign, and I look forward to having the newly elected United States congressman to appear on a future radio show on the Best of Times, as I have had Jim McCrary on my show several times over the past uh, seven years. I want to thank the wonderful and lively audience here and hope you've learned a lot from this particular forum and the unique opportunity to be part of a radio show audience and also to learn more, of course, about the United States congressional candidates. Again, thank you for coming out today. We hope that you will join us next Saturday, 9 a.m. on AM 1130 KWKH, the Best of Times Radio Hour. Be sure to pick up your October issue of the Best of Times, now being distributed at our 456 distribution locations in northwest Louisiana, including Nurse Care of Shreveport, which is one of our distribution locations. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Don't forget to cast your vote. 
your important vote in today's election. I'm Gary Kaligas, wishing you and yours the best of times both today and every day. Have a great day. We have $10 trillion. It was $9 trillion when the election started. Now we're up to $10 trillion. Um, and I think federally we're just at our limit of what we can spend. Uh, but, again, if we can allow the states to keep more of the money locally, and then the states can provide more care. Uh, this is John Fleming. Well, as a physician, uh, I interact with nursing homes frequently, of course. Um, as many, I think, in this room know, most of the funding for nursing homes comes from the state. Uh, there is more and more federal funding when you get into things like long-term ventilator patients and people like that. Uh, presently, most nursing homes are losing money through the nursing home itself. Uh, the only way they break even is to take in, um, again, rehab patients, patients on ventilators, and that is a federal funding thing. So I would say that um, while we do need to balance our budget, I don't think we need to do it on the backs of the elderly. I think we need to have uh, reimbursement levels commensurate with what the requirements are to provide care to patients and uh, what is needed to provide that. It's, it's unfair, it's an unfunded mandate to tell a nursing home, you got to do this and that and you got to meet these standards and then not give you the reimbursement in order to achieve that. So um, I, I'm in favor of obviously rational and reasonable increases in reimbursements over time as costs go up. Thank you very much. All right, Chris Gorman, I'll repeat the question again so that, you know, y'all can focus on it. Nurse Care is a provider of long-term care for 200-plus residents every day. While home and community-based services perform a role, there is no functional alternative to a health care center. Not only do we provide long-term care, you provide rehab, you provide rehabilitation for people that are at home that fall, break a hip, they have to come in, they require nursing services, they require CNAs, they refer, you know, require dietary, and all the other things that go with being in a rehab facility. Our reimbursement rate is not what it should be. Now, do you support, with the cost of inflation that we face every day, do you support an increase in state and federal reimbursement to ensure quality care for our seniors? Well, I, I would say this, I would consider it because um, understanding that uh, the reimbursement rates are not commensurate oftentimes, uh, that causes a problem for long-term quality care. I mentioned the PACE program earlier. Uh, I think that is a viable alternative as we look at long-term care solutions, ways that we can provide our seniors quality care, assist them at home as opposed to uh, in a facility where reimbursement rates may not be where they are, absolutely, I would consider it, but I would like to focus on an alternative like PACE to provide that care, to give seniors choices, to give them assistance, and to help them with day-to-day -day tasks like budgeting and managing their day-to-day -day lives. Thank you so much. I believe that uh, reimbursement rates should be adequate to provide quality level of care for our seniors. And I would like to uh, sit down with you and, and find out from you and your staff what, what you believe the um, necessary increases are. And also, I think it'd be, um, I think it's worthwhile to look at 
the the ownership structure and and see what the the profit margins are and the level of care that are being provided. Yes, I think your question dovetails perfectly into people are staying in their homes longer and they need the care that's provided. And the government's going to say, well, if we're providing the care for you, we're going to say what you're entitled to be reimbursed for, which is completely does not connect with the needs that are needed inside the home. So sitting down around the table with somebody talk about their budget doesn't do them any good if they're not getting food or in and out of the bath or being cared for or having wound care. Yes, I think that the, the limited role that the federal government plays in that, unfortunately, is the worst part of the entire system because they're setting expectations and requirements and then not providing funding to make sure those are lived up to. I think you're dealing with also the moratorium on long-term care facilities. And as our population ages and we have more people that are going to come into and out of these facilities on a short-term basis, if we're going to be able to have a system that works effectively in individuals' homes, then we've got to make sure that the individuals that have contributed to this, that the funds are necessary to pay for that. Then let me say at the end of that, as with every single government program, you've got to have transparency and you have to have accountability for our money. So if you just say, are you in favor of increasing it, I'm in favor of doing it right. And if that means increasing it, I'm in favor of that. But I'm also in favor of making sure that our money, and it's our money, is properly looked after and accounted for to all of us that make that possible. So absolutely. Thank you. Uh, the next question is one that um, I've received several requests. It's a very unusual question that I've never heard any of y'all answer this question. So listen up real carefully. I may not be able to I'm try to jot it down here, but let's see. Several readers and listeners of the best of times have requested that I ask the candidates what will be their method of voting on issues in Congress. They have several commented, for example, will you vote by seeking input from special interest groups? Or will you vote by seeking input from the citizens from the 4th District of Louisiana? Or will you vote your way? I'm doing reverse order. Uh, well, it's going to be a combination of all of the above. Here's the promise I'll make to you on every single vote I make in Congress. Number one, is it good for America? Number two, is it good for Louisiana and the citizens in Louisiana? And number three, is it good for the 4th Congressional District and the citizens of the 4th Congressional District? If we had an approach that looked down the road like that at every single vote that took place in Washington, I think we'd all sleep a little bit better at night. John Milkovich, we need men of principle and not puppets in Washington. We need patriots not pawns. And as much as we may be uncomfortable confronting the truth, we need to get real. Big money is running Washington to the detriment of the people. We're, ten, get, we're nearing $10 trillion in national debt, and Wall Street is asking for almost... Some say a trillion additional dollars of your money. How did we get here? Gas prices have doubled. 
in a few years. How did we get here? Drug prices are off the charts. How did we get here? And I've uh, been told by someone who worked in a prescription medication factory in the uh, Midwest years ago that when the drugs, the manufactured pills were uh, run down the conveyor belt that some of them would be shuttled off to the side and at one point she got curious and asked one of the uh, construction foremen, why are some of the pills being um, conveyed off to the side? And they were told, well those are, those are going to the vet. Those are the pills that are going to the vet. The same drugs are being sold to us. The problem is the ones that were being sold to the vet were being sold for pennies. And the drug companies that make a profit on drugs that are sold through veterinarians were selling the same pills at huge exorbitant markups to our senior citizens. Okay, John, thank you. But let's, let's continue on in addressing the answer to the question raised. How will well, you I, I will I will govern and help govern this, and of course, I won't be doing it on my own. I'm going to be doing it with your help. I will function as a congressman with the help and the prayers and the input of the people of western Louisiana. Our platform is constructed based upon what we've been told and the needs and aspirations and dreams of the people of western Louisiana for their families to prosper, for them to have good jobs, for them to have a fair, fair ta uh, treatment on taxes. And I will... As, you, as the next congressman, stand up to the special interests that have got us in this fix. Okay, thank you. Chris? Chris Gorman, number 27 on the ballot. I believe, and as I've been saying for, gosh, it seems like about 12 months now, that Washington, D.C. is fundamentally broke and broken. I believe the reason that is is because Washington, D.C. is controlled by special interest groups, it's controlled by lobbyists. It's controlled by trial attorneys. With all due respect to my friends who are attorneys. And folks, it's got a chokehold on our nation's capital. I believe this. If we are going to get this nation back to fundamental principles that it was founded on, and this will guide me as your congressman and how I will vote, I believe we need to get back to the core conservative principles of keeping our taxes low, of making sure that our military is the strongest in the world. These are the convictions that I will use as a benchmark and a measure when I take up a vote. Is it good for the citizens of the 4th District? As I've traveled around and listened to many of the 640,000 folks in the 4th District, these are the things that I've kept in the back of my mind as I've listened to the concerns. Those are the things that will measure how I vote. Is it good for America? Is it good for the state of Louisiana as a whole? Is it common sense? And the private sector, again, where I've spent the last 13 years of my life, common sense is what drives the private sector. I believe we need more folks right out of the private sector and with common sense approach to solving problems. And that's the common sense that I will use to measure the difficult sometimes and the all-important decisions that we as congressmen, if I'm lucky enough to be your congressman, will have to make. That will guide me on my voting and that will guide me as I serve you as your next congressman. Uh, John Fleming. Um, I think there are a lot of influences out there that is a problem with Congress, but personally I blame Congress itself. Uh, Congress had a 14% favorability rating. Those are the people who are actually voting. Um, 
We have uh, an insiders helping insiders situation up there today. People go to Washington, they get comfortable, and then they begin to drink Washington Kool-Aid, as I call it, <laughs> where they listen only to each other. So first and foremost, I've committed all along that I will live in the district and I will commute to Washington. I want to listen to the people in the district, not the people in Washington. Also, um, I will vote my conscience, whatever that is. It won't necessarily be along party lines. If my party, uh, if I feel my party's moving in the wrong direction, I will vote my conscience on that. And sometimes in the past, I feel like the Republicans have been way too liberal, in my opinion, and I will certainly stay on the conservative side of things. And lastly, I will read and listen to the hard data, the information that's out there. I think there's too many decisions made on a motion up there. We need to look at the real information and make rational choices. Thank you. I believe in our Constitution, and I believe our Constitution was inspired by God. I don't think it was just an arbitrary document that was put together or stumbled upon. And I think if we let the Constitution be our guide, and let God be our guide, we will make the right decisions. Okay, gentlemen, our, our, next, our next question is going to be something a little bit different. And one thing I've noticed about all the questions we've got at the end, most of them are financial. They're not about national interest, national security. They're about my money. So currently, federal estate tax exemption is set at $2 million. We have a provision, a law that was set in place in 2001. And this law is going to sunset. It is going to close at the end of this decade. In the year 2010, there will be no estate tax. $2 million now is going to go to zero. There's no estate tax whatsoever. In the year 2010, January 1st, 2011, we're going back to where we were in the 1990s with a $600,000 exemption. Do you favor keeping the legislation as it is? Or you, will you vote to amend this legislation to have some federal estate tax exemption? And what will you vote for when you go to Congress? That come back down here, Phil? That's fine. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that the, the, the death penalty, as I refer to the death tax, is absolutely ridiculous and needs to be done away with completely. Uh, the, the, the process, and I'll try to sum it up in three minutes, is you know, every day when you wake up, you're paying taxes on something, either from the money you earned overnight, the salary you earned during the day, if you bought something, you paid taxes on it. If you're able to somehow have employees working for you, you've paid for their taxes and your taxes as an employer. If you've made an investment and made money, you've paid taxes. But if somehow at the end of the day you were able to save enough money and put it in a mason jar and bury it in your backyard, and then when you died, you're going to pay taxes on that starting January the 1st of 2011. That's absolutely insane. You know, dying should not be a taxable event in this country. And for the government to say, we couldn't get it from you while you were alive, so now that you're dead, we're going to come get it, destroys families, family businesses, and it goes against everything this nation stands on and is built upon and stands for. If you're not honest enough to say I'm going to sock it to you while you're alive and come get it when I can fight you, don't come after it when I'm dead. You know, there's two things you can pry from me when I'm dead. My gun, I'm in favor of the Second Amendment, and any money I've been able to save away from my children and their future. So I'm for doing completely away with the death penalty, the death tax, forever, because we're taxed too much as it is. 
uh, Phil, John Milkovich, family-owned businesses, families should be able to transmit their family-owned businesses to the next generation without putting the next generation in a quandary of having to liquidate the family business in order to pay federal taxes. Family farms and ranches ought to be able to transmit it from one generation to the next without the next generation being faced with the prospect of having to either sell the farm or ranch in order to pay federal taxes. I'm against a uh, federal inheritance tax with this proviso. Uh, there may be a number at which um, some inheritance tax w w would not be unfair or unreasonable. Uh, if, for example, there are uh, families that are transmitting billions of dollars from one generation to the next, um, families that have uh, benefited from our free enterprise system and from the protections of our nation and from our legal system and from just the security, constitutional protection of private property. It, and also understanding, as our forefathers did, the danger of accumulated wealth. Uh, there, there may be a place where if someone's transmitting billions of dollars, an inheritance tax might not be unreasonable or unfair at that level. But f as far as family-owned businesses and one or two million dollars, it is not a lot for family-owned businesses that's been generating assets and building capital over years. For a family farm and ranch with uh, the appreciation of land values, a million or two million dollars is, is, is not a lot. So any inheritance tax that would hamstring or constrain the ability of family-owned businesses, uh, would constrain the ability of families to pass on businesses or farms or ranches or fisheries, I'm against. Chris Gorman, I'm in favor of making the president's tax cuts permanent. That would do a number of things. Number one, it would eliminate the death tax. I agree that that is the most ridiculous tax I can think of to take a business what is otherwise a healthy, profitable business that simply wants to be handed off to the next generation. Why would that be a taxable event? So I am absolutely in favor of killing the death tax. I'm also in favor of eliminating the alternative minimum tax. That's part of the president's tax cuts. I've told the story numerous times. In our family business, we have faced the alternative minimum tax head-on, and it almost cost us dearly. But through hard work and perseverance, we got through it. I also believe corporate income tax rates should be lowered and ultimately eliminated. I don't like the corporate income tax. But overall, I think our tax structure is too complicated and it's too burdensome. Another thing I think we can do specifically to our seniors who we uh, honor is not tax Social Security benefits. So I think that the idea of, of eliminating the death tax is a great idea. I also believe the idea of making the president's tax cuts permanent makes sense for America and for the fir fourth district. Yes, John Fleming here. I believe the inheritance tax, what we call the death tax, is immoral. Uh, first of all, you're taxing money that's already been taxed. Uh, we have seen and heard and read time after time of small farms, family farms, small businesses that have to be liquidated because, and this is what I want to point out to you, that if you have a business that, say, has a value of 
$2 million, $3 million, $5 million, there may be less than $100,000 cash in the bank. So if the owner of that business passes away, those who inherit it will suddenly be taxed on the entire value of that business, and they will unlikely have cash. You might say, well, why do they not have the cash? They're reinvesting the cash in the business. And so now what they have to do is either go out and borrow a lot of money to pay that tax bill, or they have to sell off the business. They have to liquidate it. And uh, now we're talking about unemployment. So you see, any time you go after an entity to try to tax it, there's always repercussions that affect other people, people who are certainly innocent in all of this. And I think we have to be very careful to pick and choose certain classes that do and don't get taxed. I believe we all get taxed too much. And even if a company or a family has a billion dollars, if they were taxed on it to begin with, in my opinion, that's the only time it needs to be taxed. So I say death to the death tax. I'm a big proponent, Jared Bowen, I'm a big proponent of the fair tax plan, which is a plan that will totally revamp our current system and get rid of the income tax, and it would only be a sales tax. It would get rid of the redundancies of currently, you know, you taxed when you earn it, you taxed when you spend it, you taxed when you earn interest, you taxed when you die. You would be taxed one time and one time only, and that would be when you spend the money. Uh, another benefit of it is that a lot of people who hide from taxes now through a lot of either loopholes in the tax codes or you hide from it uh, because you're a drug dealer or you're in other illegal operations, you don't pay tax on that income, but you'll pay taxes on it if you spend it. Uh, so it would increase the tax base and allow people who are not paying taxes to pay taxes, and those of us who are currently paying taxes wouldn't have to pay as much. Our next question is from um, a person in the audience here who has family and friends in the nursing home, in residing in nursing home. And the person asks, is there anything that our next congressman can do to help persons and patients who are residing in a nursing home to get more than their $38 a month? as these patients have clothes, shoes, toiletries, and other things to obtain, and in, and in most cases are obtained by family members and others. Did you get the question? We'll start in the middle now. Chris? You know, uh, probably is a, a question that requires a, a little more thought and, and discussion with the professionals in the healthcare and nursing care industries, but I do believe this. I do believe on the whole, we would all agree that the more money we can get to our seniors, the better. The reality is we all know that wasteful spending is rampant throughout Washington, D.C., and it is costing our seniors dearly. The, the, the Social Security Trust Fund, as I've mentioned, uh, it has been rated for uses that have nothing to do with Social Security. So, uh, you know, I ponder the question, if, if, if Congress was not dipping into the Social Security Trust Fund and, and spending those dollars that were intended for our seniors and to the benefit of our seniors and spending it on other wasteful programs, by way of earmark many, many times, and by the way, the No Wasteful Earmarks Pledge is one that I have signed and one that I believe uh, everyone on this table should sign. It, wasteful earmarks are costing this country trillions of dollars. 
not the least of which we need to be concerned about is Social Security. So I believe eliminating earmarks, taking the monies intended for the Social Security Trust Fund that were designed to help our seniors and go to our seniors, that's a great start to giving our seniors more of their money and quit spending it on wasteful programs. John? Oh, I'm sorry, which John? <laughs> Mikovic, excuse me. We need to sit down with our healthcare professionals and our nursing home professionals and our nursing home advocates to find out what the sources are, what the costs are, what the expenses are, and what we can do to improve the level and quality of care in nursing homes overall. Um, I have, I'll say it, I've sued nursing homes for um, improper treatment of our seniors and that those lapses in treatment have um, included instances where patients' basic hygiene was not being cared for, when nutritional de uh, deficiencies were being ignored, when um, sores were and, and uh, bed sores and wounds and decubiti were being allowed to develop to the point where the patient got pneumonia and their health was imperiled uh, and potentially um, facing mortality over uh, health conditions that could have been properly addressed at the nursing home level. Um, again, I compliment this nursing home. Uh, I believe you set some standards that could be observed throughout the industry. But I am willing to sit down with advocates of seniors and the professionals and sometimes it's conglomerates that are nursing homes and find out what can we do to improve levels of care and still maintain and, and provide a quality uh, level of life without unduly increasing costs. You know, it's, it's not an issue of getting money to our seniors. It's allowing them to keep more of what's coming to you. You know, it's not about let's direct some more money your way all of a sudden. It's you've already got funds coming in and what the government's trying to do is balance, okay, how much of your income are we going to take from you to provide for a quality of care versus how much are we going to allow you to keep of your only source of income to have a quality of life? And I, yeah, it's $38, which is ridiculous because those are not keeping up with what, what, what can you do with $38? You know, we, we spent $38 in getting water for the people at this table today. This, it, it, you know, the food over here is a couple of months worth of what income residents are allowed to have. That, that's, that's a national shame is what that is. And you're, li you're relying upon the system that you were promised to have provided for you that is now failing you. Now, there also is the side of that is, well, we only have so much money in the government to provide for the bricks and the mortar and the care and the doctors and the, the, the linens and everything else as far as the monthly cost. But to say that any human being in America that has helped make this country is going to live on $38 a month above the very base needs, the government is dividing the pie wrong and taking too much of it. So you're going to have a congressman in Jeff Thompson that not only has been interested in your issues, but will continue to be because we need to make sure that the money that's being spent on the care to divide that pie is going as far as it can 
and that you're going to be allowed to have a quality of life and that your loved ones and family members that are also helping provide for you are going to receive favorable treatment from the government to provide for not only quality of care, but quality and enjoyment of life issues. I believe our tax dollars get spread too thin, and there's too many programs and too many earmarks, as Chris alluded to, uh, and we need to look at all the different aspects of our budget and cut away the things that are unessential, that are wasteful, and so that we can then concentrate what money we do have towards more essential things. And $38 is ridiculous. I don't know who could live off $38 even. So I, I, I think we need to cut earmarks, cut, um, cut excessive spending, and, and concentrate on things that the federal government should be involved in, which isn't a whole lot, but that's one of them. Dr. Fleming? Uh, yes. Um, to kind of bring this down a little bit from platitudes, uh, let me address the specific problem as I understand it. Um, of course, senior citizens get their Social Security check when they're living independently. They can spend the money as they wish. When they're in a nursing home, the bulk of that money is taken for nursing home services. And so the problem is that little bit marginal amount that's left over is what they have to buy toiletries, to buy soft drinks, and of course $38 does not go very far in a month uh, in this day and time. Uh, one of the things there is that for many senior citizens who are in a nursing home, family makes up for that, and that's good. If my mom were in a nursing home, there's no way I would let her live off of $38 a month. That's just, uh, uh, I think that's immoral. But, but many people in nursing homes don't have family, or they don't have family willing to help out. One of the things I would like to see uh, is this to be brought to a higher level of consciousness where people in the community know about it and are willing to donate money, you know, to help out. Um, you know, we, we, it seems like we always go to the government for solutions and not look at our own community. And this is one area where the community could really pitch in and help. And I, I guarantee you that less than a half percent of people in this community even know that that's a problem as easily. Uh, but I do think, having said that, there needs to be a baseline from the uh, Social Security check that's available for the resident to, uh, to live off of. I want to thank the candidates for participating in today's forum. I appreciate all of your answers, and I know all of our audience appreciated those as well. Good luck to you in your campaign. Again, thank you for being part of our forum today. thank our friends at Majestic Tent and Event Center located at 9160 Linwood Avenue in Shreveport for helping us today. Please contact them at 318 
671-5396 for your event needs. Again, that's 671-5396. We also thank our friends at Majestic Tent and Event Center, located at 9160 Line Avenue in Shreveport, for helping us today. Please contact them at 318-671-5396 for your event needs.